We are Taking the Helm with risk takers who are motivating us to take charge and make things happen with your host, Lynn McLaughlin. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Melissa Lyons. She's an international best-selling author and a life coach. She is passionate about helping people find hope and healing after loss. She's raw, she's relatable, and she reaches and connects with people of all ages in deep and meaningful ways. Thanks for joining us, Melissa. Hi, Lynn. It's great to be here. Let's go back to five years ago. You were the successful owner of a business, a mother, a wife, living a fulfilling life, but you felt that something was missing, which took you or began to take you on a different path. Oh, to go back. You know, I'll go back five years ago, but I I have to say that there's been something sort of following me my whole life for as long as I can remember where it didn't matter how great my success was or how great everything was that was happening around me. I always felt like there was something missing, an emptiness, a hole in my heart that I couldn't explain. I still felt this emptiness or this dark cloud around me. And I, at that point, it was like, okay, enough is enough. In fact, my husband said to me, um, when I should have been really, really rejoicing, he's like, are you ever going to be happy? Mm. <laughs> Which was, you know, one of the best things someone could have ever said to me. Because the answer was, I don't know. That's where it started. And you, would, you were already doing some personal reflection and seeing some signs before your husband said that to you. Yeah, I was because clearly when, when everything looks like it's good on the outside and really there's nothing you're missing and then there's still something really missing on the inside, you have to start doing some work. And I think when he said that to me, it was that time where it was like, okay, enough is enough. I'm not going to commit to another career or commit to something else and, and follow a path for however many years to find out it's really not the place where I'm supposed to be going. Because clearly that the, the the, the lack or that feeling that I had inside me was just an indication, just a messenger that I wasn't on the path that was really the one I was meant to be on. You took what you thought would be a short leave of absence to try to determine your why, but that ended up to be much different, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And um, the, the biggest lesson I got from that, I, I called it like it was really a sabbatical. I took three months and, and just dug deep to figure it out. But I did it with, um, with an MBA type uh, thought pattern, (laughs) goals and plans and timelines. And uh, I learned really quickly that the more goals and timelines you have, the farther away you get from where you want to (laughs) be. It's actually the biggest detour you can have. It's it's the process of surrendering. So those three months wind up sort of trickling into 30 months um, with little projects along the way, but no, no big commitments in that time frame. So when you say surrender, I mean, I, I think what you're, what you're telling us is that MBA way of thinking, which is, you know, strategic, I'm going to do this, then this, then this, but that is more a cognitive kind of planning uh, path. It isn't following your heart. It isn't following your gut. Is that what you mean when you say surrender? Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, yeah, surrender has so many different, so many different ways that you can, you can define it and where you can have the meaning. For me, it was, um, well, one concept of divine timing that was that was relatively new to me understanding that there is a divine timing i believe to everything that happens and so if you get something if you if if you with your willpower make something happen faster than it was meant to happen chances are the full experience will be missed mm. so the surrendering meaning 
do what you need to do, set your intentions and, and follow through, but don't force it. And everything I'd ever done in my life to that point had been forced. And when I say forced, just meaning, you know, you, you go to school and then you go to university and then maybe you do a master's program, then you get married maybe and have kids and get a mortgage, have a job. Like there, there's these things that we just do because society tells us that we should do them. And we have a similar time frame that society has kind of laid out for us. And that's not really what we're all supposed to be doing. We should be stopping and paying attention to those signs all along the way. Yeah. You know, people say all of a sudden, like when they start to surrender, or they start to like let life unfold, they see all kinds of signs. Well, you know what? Those signs have always been there. We either weren't looking for them, didn't have time to see them, didn't know how to see them, but there are signs. And, you know, the biggest sign we ever get is that feeling in your gut that that's just not quite right. Or, or when you just push yourself so hard to do something, you but might we, get it done, but it, it might not be what was meant for you. Yeah. And we too often ignore that gut because we're, I describe it as being on a treadmill. You just go, 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 busy, 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 busy. And some of us choose to be busy because for us, that's what we think it's all about. But in the end, it isn't. We're misguiding ourselves. I agree. And then, and, you know, you throw into the mix sickness and like dis-ease or disease, right? Which is that dis-ease, um, disconnection of the word. Like there are a lot of things that the universe puts in our path to slow us down. So Melissa, your heartwarming and profound books, they've helped thousands of people embrace fresh new perspectives during times in their life where they're devastated and facing grief and the loss of a loved one. Um, but if we go back to three years ago, before you were on vacation, you had no idea this was what was going to happen. You would become an international best-selling author. Take us back to that pivotal moment in time. So I was in, I was in Thailand and when someone tells you they're in Thailand on a beach, we conjure up this idea of things being really smooth and easy and fun. And this wasn't a, it was intended to be a vacation like that, but it didn't turn out to be a vacation like that. And I think that it's, um, it's really significant to point that out because in the middle of facing some pretty hard times on this island um, in the middle of the ocean where we couldn't actually leave, the words to the first book, I Will Always Love You, came to me. And I was just randomly journaling one morning um, with no, no, well, journaling is about the unfolding, the surrendering, right? So the words just come when they come. So I would write like car, boat, sea, water, tree, fish. And then all of a sudden in my journal, this full story came out that rhymed and at first read seemed to be about grief and loss. And no one was more surprised than me to see that happen. <laughs> almost a divine intervention, can we call it? Yeah, yeah, we can. Like almost like it was like a download. It was, um, it was something like that. And I didn't even, I didn't recognize it as that at, at first by any means. However, uh, when my husband, who was there with me, came out of, he came and found me and he said, what happened to you? You look like something happened. And I said to him, I think I just wrote a book. And he kind of looked at me kind of like, <laughs> like kind of like, here we go again. What? I don't really understand this. And when I went to read him the words, I literally couldn't get the words out. I was sobbing uncontrollably, like I, my body, like it was just, the things that happened were things that you just can't explain scientifically easily anyway. Very profound. And that was, yeah, very profound. So it scared me, I have to say, because I thought, is this why we, we hadn't experienced grief in our family, per se, and, or a tragic loss or tragedy or anything like that? So it was hard to understand why that happened and was it preparing me for a loss that I was going to have in my life? So it was pretty scary. 
So you in the background are wondering, is this a sign for me as a warning as opposed to uh, a bigger picture, which is where you ended up going by publishing the book? Yeah, exactly. I realized that the words um, were too important um, because of the physical sensations I had when I would read them, just all kinds of things. So yeah, I decided to move forward and, um, and independently publish it so that I could have the words out there sooner than trying to go the traditional route. Uh, that was really important to me. Uh, but it turns out, so yes, so thousands of people have read the books and been impacted by the books and, and talk about how they've helped them deal with, with their pain, that that's not actually what it meant to me. And that's where I really think the story gets interesting from my perspective. So it turns out that about 18 months after I wrote the words to I Will Always Love You, I was in a similar situation. It wasn't a beautiful island in Thailand. I was snowed in in a really horrible hotel in Philadelphia uh, because I couldn't get out because of a snowstorm and I was feeling really sorry for myself. I was hungry by North American standards because I'd missed a meal. A first world yeah, problem, and, um, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> And then I woke up the, the next morning and had a similar experience. And uh, I learned that the, the, the words to I Will Always Love You was actually a story or a message from part of me to another part of me telling me that it was okay to leave the life I'd been living my whole life, the life that I thought was mine, and, and move forward and um, shine my light in the way that I was always meant to shine my light. So it's fascinating that the book healed my grief and loss of the life that I'd spent 50 years creating at that point. Very intriguing. And it, I mean, it took mm -hmm. 18 months for you to come to that insight. But you know, uh, regardless of the insights and the change that it made in your life, Melissa, it's made a tremendous, it's brought many, many people a sense of comfort. Um, and, and that's a pretty critical part of what you're doing. When I look at it now, as everything that's happened, I think that the book is about uh, allowing people, um, it's the freedom and the permission to live your life according to your own intuition and to be guided by your own heart. And so the books are written from the perspective of, in the, in the first, I will always love you from a human, and in the case of the pet, until we meet again from the pet, where the, they're giving you permission to say like, You've got it all. You have all the answers inside. Turn into your heart. Let it be your guide. And it's giving people permission to like stop, press pause, and pay attention to your life. And that message is more important today in what we're facing with COVID-19 than ever before. Isn't it, as you say yourself, it's about our own journey of self-discovery? Yeah. 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 So we're, we're all here to discover ourselves. We just don't always pick up the, the tools that we need to discover. And that's what we need to do. And if we're not in the role of a frontline worker or deemed an essential service right now, we're home. And we may have more time in our hands, but there's also a lot of fear, a great deal of sadness and grief all around us. If we've lost a friend or a family member, for example, we can't even come together to help each other through. I mean, we're human beings. We, we typically show our feelings through hugs, through physical contact or tears, but we're restricted from doing that or for being there for each other in that way right now. How do people come to grips with that? It's so clearly missing. Uh, but you know, this, this, so, there's, a, so, there's always a silver lining. We can always change the perspective of whatever we're facing and, and see it from a new point of view. And on some level, like I just said, we, we, in the book it says, you have the answer, you have the power and the answers inside. Turn into your heart, let it be your guide. And now we're almost forced to take that step. 
So yeah, we can't be hugged by someone. We can't lean on them the same way that we might've been able to before, which actually more than anything will cause us to maybe rise up a little bit and begin a little bit more of that self-healing aspect. And it's going to come through letter writing, old fashioned letter writing. You can write an email. We can send a video message. Um, we can also do that, the whole video connection. But I think that it's actually a, just a reminder that we've, we've got to self-heal too. It's like an invitation. It's an invitation that we have to be willing to and ready to accept. But when we're in a place when we're engulfed in grief and we can't even get out of bed, what's that first step? What are we going to do to be supported and to be loved? And be loved. I love that you just added that because it's that self-love aspect that we know about. Here's the thing. Like, let's just stop for a quick second. When someone wants to lose weight, we know that we need to eat less calories and exercise more. But when we're grieving or we're suffering through some kind of um, trauma that's affecting us emotionally, it doesn't matter that you know what you're supposed to do. Being able to do it is a whole other thing. And self-love is the most important thing. And when you're in a big group of people and we're all hugging and we're all together, it's really easy to not have to love yourself because someone else is going to love you. And I'm not saying that in this virtual world, world we're not loved. <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying is, is that it becomes much clearer that we need to take care of ourselves. And I think that that's the most beautiful part of what we're going through right now. Well, we should absolutely be taking care of ourselves and we're all figuring it out. Uh, we're all in a home 24 seven together. If we're staying at home, my husband drives part-time for FedEx. My son, 21 year old has just moved home. We're figuring it out. But I'm also well aware that I am not a single parent. I don't have the challenges of homeschooling four to five children with maybe one device right now. I'm not running a full-time business out of my house. So how can people who have those challenges find a way? That's the point of all of this. If we don't take the time for ourselves, it doesn't matter if we have two children at home or five children at home. Uh, it doesn't matter if we have the space or not the space. It's that conscious effort. Like most of us wake up and brush our teeth every morning and wash our face and have a shower. We don't have to be reminded of that. And we need to make a new routine now. And that routine needs to stay forever where we take that time where we, in the morning, wake up. Take that breath of air and feel grateful that we can fill our lungs. That's step one. Mm -hmm. Step two, think of five things that you want to be grateful for. Like we can put a ritual in place and can take five to 12 minutes or 20 minutes. It doesn't matter. But if we don't ground ourselves in this world and set our intentions for how we want to experience the rest of the day, then it's going to be decided for us by everyone around us. It's taking control. And that's probably not going to be what's good for our heart and soul. So we need to take that time. And that's what the whole grieving, I, I'm not an expert in grief, even though I wrote books about grief, but I think what I would like to hang my expert hat on is redirecting that thought and reframing the things that we go through in a way that can help us grow and heal and move towards that which we seek in our lives, which is usually fulfillment, freedom, love, joy. Plus, you have reflective audios on your website too, to help us get into that mindset, correct? Yes, it's correct. It, it starts with that gratitude for the breath and it goes right through to the intentions and how we want it to get through our day. I actually use the reflective, reflective audios um, throughout my courses as well because I think that it's a great way for any of us to press pause. And if you want, even if you want to meditate or you want to take that quiet time, being guided through that first part of it and setting your intentions really helps to give you that grounding you need for the rest of the flow to just kind of happen automatically. 
Well, it's a lot better than waking up in the morning and letting the world take, you know, turning on the news and letting the world take over. You're, you're setting it, you're setting your course for the day, which is, you know, so much more healthy for all of us. We all need to, because think about it. How often do you get in your car and just drive and you don't know where you're going? Not very often. <laughs> I'd say like almost every time we have a destination, you know, uh, we wake up in the morning and, and I don't think that we actually think about what our destination is or where we want to spend the bulk of our, our emotional energy that day. By setting that intention, the chances of it happening are so much greater than being sort of, um, yeah, our life being directed by someone else. I couldn't agree with you more. You just gave us a segue a moment ago into your courses and you have several of them that you offer virtually online. Yes, and there, I have several online now and more to come. Um, the, the, the one that's, that's had the most people go through it is called A Path to Healing After Heartbreak and Loss. And it's a great course because it takes you through intention setting, picking your path, you know, knowing what it is you want out of your life. And it also looks at what you don't want out of your life. And as we're grieving, it's so easy to just stay in that sadness because that's how we're feeling. And so again, I don't, I'm not the person that's gonna tell you how long you can grieve or should grieve because it's not the grief I'm, I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the fact that while we're grieving, the rest of life is still happening. So how can we do a little bit of both and start to bring more light to the darkness or bring your darkness to the light? And that's what these courses are about. And that's really about going step by step. Even if the first one is a baby step, we've got to start somewhere, don't we? It's very true. And in my courses, I call it simple, subtle shifts. And that's it's those beautiful. simple, subtle shifts. <laughs> that's, like when that's you're driving, you know, when you're driving down the road and you, you, you don't ever just take the steering wheel unless it's like you have to, but like we simply, like we, we do simple, subtle shifts. Well, think about an airplane, right? It leaves New York City and it's heading for Paris and it's five degrees off. It's going to end up, you know somewhere up in the <laughs> north of Norway or something like that. It's, it's those simple, subtle shifts and redirecting our lives that get us towards the place where we want to go. But if we don't know where we want to go, we're not going to get there. And when we're grieving, we really, honestly, we're just grieving. We're not thinking about where we want to go or what we want to do. We've kind of lost our, we've lost our, um, our coordinates, rightfully so. So uh, my suggestion is, yeah, just that. Add a little bit every day. That is a great analogy. I so much appreciate that. So the audio reflections on your website, courses, and you have other ones that we haven't talked about today. But if I need even more than that, you do one-to-one -one coaching as well, Melissa. Talk to us about what that looks like. Yeah, yes, I do. Because here's the thing. Once you get, once you get that first bit of a goal underway and you're starting to live your day and you're feeling better about your days and, and everything's starting to work better you want more because you realize how much more your potential you have and you, you start to see your possibilities so yes I love working with people one-on-one -on -one. and that's what I did myself you know for many years all through as a business owner um, I always work with coaches and different people like that to help me get more clarity I remember that one line are you so busy helping everyone else achieve your goal their goals that you forgot you had some of your own mm-hmm especially as women, but not only as women, but we can get lost in helping everybody become what they want to become, that we forget that, that our, our dreams matter too. And sometimes we forget completely what they are. 
And it's interesting. And I think about when you talk about courses, online courses, in-person courses, they're usually about what we talked about earlier. I want to increase my sales. I want to be known professionally as this. I want to create my brand. It isn't about digging deep emotionally. <laughs> I know. And, but yet it's our emotions that like every thought we have directs our life. We're never like standing still because the earth isn't still. We're all in motion. We know this, right? We're, we're pieces of energy. So yeah, your thought that you're thinking at any given time is taking towards or away from whatever it is that you're thinking about or that you're desiring. So yes, we spend all this time trying to, to get the even the outside of our lives done. Like we, you know, we, we have beautiful gardens and we have nice floors and new windows and nice countertops, but we don't want to spend time like working on our soul which is the part that guides all of it like begin with the end in mind right that's the best advice i could give anybody begin with the end in mind. what are the five things that you want to be remembered for at the end of your life and how much impact are those five things having on your day-to-day -day life right now chances are not a whole lot uh, like, oh, wow. because we're just going that, through the motion well, that, that certainly framed it a little bit better because when you first asked the question, begin with the end in mind, I was thinking, well, but what if we don't know what the end is? I, maybe I don't know what my purpose is supposed to be. Maybe I haven't discovered that or, or but I love that. How do you want to remember? What are five things you want to be remembered by? That, that's exceptional. Well, and that's kind of like one of, one of the blogs that I have um, that has, it's not published yet, but it's, it's, will be published and it's Dance at My Funeral. And the purpose behind that is that I do want people to dance at my funeral, but if I live my whole life just trying to achieve goals and I'm very serious and I'm very um, like goal oriented and I, and I miss out on some of the, the softer aspects in life, chances are they're not going to be dancing at my funeral. But if, I, if I'm guided in my day-to-day -day life by making sure that people know how I want them to remember me, then I'm going to guide myself differently. I'm going to control my reactions differently. I'm going to set my intentions differently. I think we should all have five things that we want to be remembered by, and they should be like the things that help us set our intentions every day. I'd like to believe that on all of our tombstones, given the negativity that surrounds us these days, that we would each have something along the lines of, I gave selflessly to others. Yes, I think that's a wonderful idea. And of course, we should give selflessly. However, we can't serve from an empty cup. And I know on days where I don't take the time to set my attention about how, what I want to experience. Like I want to experience love. I want to experience peace. I want to experience, um, you know, some, some good times. I want to play cards with my family. It's like whatever it is that I want to do in that day where I know that I want to have that connection. If I haven't fueled myself with enough self-love, positivity, gratitude, what I'm serving isn't as, um, Plentiful. As potent, as <laughs> full of love, as plentiful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know so, exactly what so, you mean. Yeah. We miss the point when we just think about, I just want to give selflessly. No, you want to give selflessly, but you need to first nourish your soul with all of the things that you need to be the most kind, loving, generous, compassionate human that you can be first. I do agree with you, Melissa. It's easier said than done for many of us though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think some of the things that we can do to make it a little bit more obvious for us, uh, one thing is, is that we don't always know what it is that we want. 
We don't have that clarity of what it is that actually brings us joy. So taking some time, whether through journaling, working with a coach, reading a book, but getting really clear on what it is that does bring us true joy, not the joy that we get because society says that should make us happy, but that thing that gives us that joy. And then the next thing that we need to be really aware of is when you don't know what you want, the biggest opportunity for you to learn that is just to look at what you don't want, what you don't like, and what doesn't serve you, right? Because then it becomes glaringly obvious by working at a game of opposites. And along those lines, I think we have to realize that when our heart tightens or our stomach tightens and we feel that anger, resentment, jealousy, whatever that negative emotion that we're feeling or experiencing is, all of that is is a message to say you're off your path. You're out of alignment with what you said for the day. So why are you feeling that way? And then resolve that. And now you can't always resolve something by just saying, yeah, I'm not going to feel angry anymore. You've got to do a little bit of work sometime and figure out what it is. But in the moment, you can say, I'm going to be present now, but I'll come back to you. Really, there for a reason. Yeah. It has a message. Right. But isn't the first step really becoming more aware? I know when I'm about to go into a meeting or about to have a conversation that I'm not looking forward to. I can feel those signs, but I still do it. But I don't go back afterwards and say, okay, did you pay attention there? You were feeling uneasy. What are you going to do about it differently? And that might be part of the job that you're in, but you can still approach it in a different way. You can take action to do things to minimize that level of stress for you so you're not feeling that level of anxiety and therefore feel better afterwards. So it's about, I think, becoming aware, first of all. And like you said, might not be able to address it in that moment, but you can go back and say, how can I change that up for next time? Absolutely. And energy that's not processed, and energy that is ignored or that's, that's kept inside and suppressed will eventually come out in a different way, whether it be an illness, uh, an accident, um, you know, a loss of a relationship. Like, we can't fool energy. We actually have to resolve it. But it doesn't have to be in that instant. But we do need to consciously go back and take that time. You can meditate. Like I said, you can work with a coach. You can journal. There's all kinds of things you can do. But, yeah, don't suppress that energy. That's really, really valid what you just said. So if we're stuck, Melissa, and we just don't know where to start, what do we do? Let's just think about it. Not everybody can run a marathon, but everybody understands the training that people do to run a marathon. They start slow and they do like one kilometer, two kilometers, and they build up and it becomes a muscle, a running muscle. So we need to develop that same mental muscle that when we start to have that tightness in our heart, the tension in our shoulders that leads to a headache, the anxiety, whatever it is you're talking about, we need to develop the muscle of awareness, and then how we're going to deal with it. And the more we do it, the stronger we'll get. And as soon as we stop working on it, when you stop training for a marathon, you have to start training again. Right. I mean, for the most part, you know, once a marathon runner, always a marathon runner, but they still train in the middle. So why do we think that our brains are anything different? I agree. Or not our brains so much, but our just our emotional response system. It's the same. And you know what? It needs to be coached sometimes. It's not always natural. Sometimes we just can't figure it out for ourselves. We need experts to guide us along the way. We're wasting time. We're wasting money. I call it squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> this might work. That might work. And it takes us a lot longer to get there if we ever do. It's true. And when you talk about spending money and you talk about investment in life, um, all the money, again, that we spend on the outside, whether it be our clothes, um, our gym memberships, the things that we do to our home, the true passionate enjoyment we're going to get from experiencing those things our only, it's, it's going to be exponentially heightened when we're actually looking at it from a place of joy. 
-hmm. But if we're feeling anxious and slightly depressed and frustrated half of our lives, it doesn't matter how beautiful we make ourselves or everything around us. It's, it's the beauty from within that's going to allow us to appreciate the beauty on the outside too. Thank you for those inspiring words of guidance. Is there anything else in closing that you'd like to share? I think in closing, I would like to invite the listeners to press pause wherever they are, and whatever they're doing right now. And if it's during the COVID-19 time that we're hearing this, or if it's after this COVID-19 time, and just make sure that your life is aligned with how you want to be remembered in the end. I think to begin with your end in mind is a really good mantra to live our lives by because that will remind us what the most important things in life are to us. And we still have to go through and do all the things that we need to do and we have responsibilities, but we can approach them in a way that will align closer to our heart and make our lives that much more joyous and fulfilling. So Melissa, um, our listeners can find you on your website, including your courses, your coaching information. Yes, it's www.melissa-lions.com. So M-E-L-I-S-S-A hyphen L-Y-O-N-S.com. You've made an incredible difference to countless people already, Melissa, and I know you will continue to do so. Thanks, Liz. It's been wonderful. I love chatting with you. And if you go to Melissa's YouTube channel, she does virtual readings of both of her books, I Will Always Love You, and until we meet again, stay healthy and safe. Thanks for listening. For more episodes learning from people who are steering us in the right direction, visit lynnmclaughlin.com or subscribe to this podcast feed.